Good day, good day, good day, everybody. Brian here from quantlabs.net. Uh, it is the 13th of February. Time is uh, 2.07 Eastern Standard. What I want to talk about is uh, the number one metric you can use for global risk. So I use Awanda to measure Forex and CFDs, which is another way of saying futures, options, and the like, gives you a very good global view of the market. The number one indicator that I can think of that works really well to measure, as I said, global risk is using something called the gold-silver ratio. Uh, this can be found on Oanda, XAU, XAG is a symbol. And right now, I'm just to give you an example how good it is. I'm looking at the uh, metric right now for it. Uh, so since January 18th, it has gone from 78 all the way up to 85 today, and it keeps going up. This is a measurement of basically how things are in terms of global. Uh, as I said, global risk of everything out there. Uh, how do I know this works? Right now, I'm looking at a four-hour chart. And um, as it stands right now, I'm going to bring up a weekly chart just to give you a history of how far back this thing goes. Actually, I'll need to do probably a monthly. So this uh, indicator goes all the way back, according to... Oanda here goes all the way back to 2007, January 2007. So when you look at uh, the financial crisis, uh, as I said, I'm looking at a monthly chart right now. If you look at July, July uh, 2008, the indicator was at 50. Okay, so remember the numbers I just gave you, 78 to 85 is where we're at over the last month. So the number at, in July before the crisis for the 2008 started, the number was at 54 and it did spike and peak. Now this is again the peak at 80. Okay, so it's at 80, all right? And that's the peak and that takes you all the way up to November, 2008. So that crisis, uh, was over just over a year uh, from what I'm seeing. Oh no, Jan July July 2008 to November 2008, and as I said, it peaked here at 84. Okay, so once November hit, it dropped back to September 2009. It dropped back to uh, uh, 61. And it peaked a little bit again to 66, which isn't much. That's in the following year. And then as the Fed started to add more liquidity into the market, it dropped it back down to uh, 30, 32. So this is the bottom of the gold-silver ratio, okay? So 32 was its lowest uh, bottom. And ever since then, and that that is in around uh, 
let's see here, April 1st, 2011, okay? So that's the bottom. Ever since uh, the Fed and whatnot, global central banks started flooding the market with liquidity, and uh, looking at the peak of 2008, uh, that risk uh, level with the gold silver ratio was at 77 uh, come February 1st, 2018. So as the liquidity started to build up, so did the national debt. This is the key that nobody's talking about. National debt among all the Western countries, all the Western regions. So by 20, February 2018, we had already had the same level of global risk that we had in the peak uh, of um, 2008, that crisis. So by 2018, in February, we were at the same level as the peak in 2008. That's how dire this is going. So remember, we're at 78, around, and, and we're currently at 85. So we're above the peak of the financial crisis in, in 2008. So for anyone to say, will we have worse off metric or worse off conditions, it, it's a big yes. And now I'm moving along uh, to see here. So it peaked here July uh, July, let's say June 2019, it peaked here at uh, August 2019 at 90, at 90. Dropped a little bit back down to, in September, down back to 84. That's where we're currently at right now. So what happened? In January, February, March, uh, we had the global sickness kick in. So by the uh, March 1st, 2020, it peaked here now at 95. That's what it peaked at. And then again, once the uh, printing presses started rolling in in the central banks, the Fed, ECB, and all that, it came back down to the bottom here of May 2021, and it only brought it back to down to 65. So it did relieve pressure, but what's going on now, as these banks start to print like crazy, uh, the impact of bringing down the global risk is no longer working. How do I know that? As I said, if you look at the amount of liquidity pr printed in 2008, it brought down the gold, the gold silver ratio down to 32. So with all the amount of printing that they even did more, like six, seven trillion dollars added to the national debt of the US government, uh, it only brought it down to about 70. And that's the same roughly peak level as in the financial crisis. So that's how bad we are in right now in terms of global risk. So. Our last bottom here I'm looking at is 65 in April 2021, and it started to move up again, okay, where the printing pretty well stopped in September 2022, 
brought it back down to a bottom, and now it's starting to spike again. So the more they print, the more interest they, they uh, raise, the riskier we are at in terms of global risk, namely for the U.S. And that is really driven by inflation. Now, just so you know, what brought this podcast episode was due to the fact I do uh, scans where I'm using OANDA data for both Forex and CFD. Now, I do that because it gives you a really, really, really good indicator of what's going on globally and where the strength is and where the weakness is globally in certain instruments or asset classes using the CFD data. No different than I do use uh, uh, ETF data. So using this CFD data, it is safe to say when we talk about inflation, uh, people go, well, we're going to go on to a deflation. That's a bunch of BS, okay? You cannot tell me when you're adding this amount of risk in the market globally uh, with what the central banks are doing by flooding all the liquidity into the market, expecting it to come back down. It doesn't. Uh, and and it's, it, the impact of the more printing of, 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 of money, fake money, does not bring down the risk. It worsens it. And now we have inflation kick in about a year ago and raises it to about 10. So the question is, is inflation coming back down? We cannot use the word deflation because deflation is when if you took a five, or in this case, at least a trend line going back in the, into the 90s to get a real reflection of what deflation versus inflation is, you have to go back to that at least 30 years to measure a trend line. And when to see a real inflation period, what we're experiencing for the last year or two, and then when inflation starts to drop from, let's say, 10 to 6, they, the a-holes that they are to manipulate the, the, the masses to say, well, we're in deflation. That's not deflation if you look at uh, the like that really long trend line. Uh, and looking at that, it's nowhere near deflation. All you're saying is you've, you've peaked the inflation at a certain rate, and now you've brought it back down. So you've brought back down inflation. It's not deflationary. Once that deflate, that once that inflation rate drops back to the target that they've been trying to get at of two for years now, over a decade easily. And once you start to see that those inflation numbers drop below the really long trend line I'm talking about since let's say the 90s, then yes, you are going into a deflationary period. As it stands right now, as I said, with the CFD scan that I just did, inflation is not going anywhere. It will drop back from a peak of 10 to 6 or 5, but inflation is still there. I just looked at the cost of energy, WTI, and meat, uh, rent crude are all up, and they're going up. I have also looked at uh, the food commodities or the CFD for that. Here's what's still up, elevated, soybean, wheat, uh, sugar still up. And uh, you cannot tell me that we have deflation. These are still elevated, okay? These are at the whole, wholesale level on the futures market. So they're elevated, but they're not what they used to be. 
so that's not deflationary. You're just taking it from a peak and lowering it to a, a lower level of inflation. But the inflation's still there. And most likely will stay there when you look at the global risk is, is, is there. Uh, and it's continuing to move up, as I've explained. And what I could probably tell you, uh, outside of the macroeconomic, I do think the cost of food production will still go up. And uh, as I said, soybean, wheat, and sugar are elevated. They're not moving up. And they probably could in line with where the gold-silver ratio will go up. And that's all driven again because of national debt. So the only way to really play inflation is to buy into uh, C ETFs, CFDs, whatever you want to buy that focus on those on those commodities, including oil. Yesterday, I saw natural gas was going up quite a bit. So uh, do remember that uh, you cannot really rely on what the mainstream media financial institutions are telling you. They're just putting out propaganda and smoke screens to really confuse. Let's talk about ESG. They're saying, oh, ESG is democracy. That's what the world wants. Uh, when you look at Texas and Florida, don't want to buy bond providers uh, that that promote ESG, promote gun rights and all that. And Texas and Florida don't want to participate from those banks. So they're 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 paying higher. And then you get the the idiots at Bloomberg saying, "Well, this is going against democracy." How can you tell me when I look at so many? Uh, companies, and I look at the shareholders. The top shareholders are Vanguard and and BlackRock, and they they are such huge money managers, like in the ten trillion roughly for BlackRock alone. And how can you tell me when you have companies like that that are basically the new uh, the new Rothschilds that can influence so many areas in the world, uh, and that. They are controlling these companies, smaller companies included, that have major shareholders. Top two are going to be either BlackRock or Vanguard, usually between 5 to 7% each. And they're going to influence on how that company is managed, all in the name of ESG. And then you get this bonehead idiot on Bloomberg telling me, the audience, telling me that that's all about democracy and that no. BlackRock and Vanguard do not influence these companies in any which way in the name of ESG. That's a load of crock. It's an absolute crock, and then misleading the audience because of that. That's against uh, against democracy and against true free capitalism. It's cronyism. It's what it really is. And again, it's all in the name of ESG and let's say climate change. So there's other political interests going on there. Uh, so that's what's really going on, but I am seeing these global risk factors. The number one's gold, silver. In terms of companies that are not owned by BlackRock and Vanguard, guess what? I've got six, seven companies right now I'm watching that have no ownership in either BlackRock or Vanguard, and they're performing really well. And if you want to know what they are, you got to be a member of mine. Simple as that. If you want to know more what I do, putting out this kind of info, 
join uh, over at quantlabs.net slash books. Get on my email list. You'll get a, a free PDF on the trading secret stuff that you can use to help you get better measurement and true unbiased measurement from these large money managers like Vanguard and BlackRock, who, who I used to thought, oh, these are the great companies, but looking at what they're doing and really influencing how companies are managed and how they operate is, is just cronyism. Uh, uh, that's what it really is. And again, uh, if you really want to know outside of the media, get your hands. You can find it on TradingView, gold and silver ratio. And again, those symbols are found on Awanda. US, uh, it's uh, XAU and XAG. Okay, over and out. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Hey.